son, a child of the father, joint heir with the son, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Save, save, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Save, save, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Aren't you glad to be saved this morning? Amen. Let's sing those next two verses. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, the Father he spake and his will it was done. Great price of my pardon, his own precious son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Sing it like you mean it. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Save, save, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, all hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Let's go. Save, save. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Let me hear you. Save. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Amen. 348. Redeemed by the blood. Amen. For 348. As we sing another wonderful song this morning. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Let's sing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Amen. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, who 
lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, this child and forever I am. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this beautiful morning. We thank you for taking away the rain and sending the sunshine. Lord, we thank you for your blessings upon our lives. We ask now that you would take this time. We pray that you would help us to sing these songs to your honor and to your glory. Lord, we pray that you would be with the preaching time, that there uh, would be... Uh, ability to present your word as well as the ability to hear your word. We ask that you would be honored and glorified. We ask that we would worship you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz? All right, now let's turn a page right across. 347. 347, happy in the love of Jesus. Home to Zion, we are bound, happy in the love of Jesus. Peace abiding, we have found, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day. Happy, happy, happy in the love of Jesus. Us. Now, before we sing those next three verses, how many of you just know exactly what I'm going to say about this song? We know if we're really happy in the love of Jesus, we ought not be sulking and saying, happy. Let's sing with some joy in our hearts, amen? Let's sing. I mean, if you're not going to sing about that, at least sing that all that uh, Andrew or whatever that tornado, what not tornado, hurricane was gone from us, Ernesto. Let's just be happy that the Lord is with us this morning. Beautiful sunshine, he's always here with us. Let's just sing with joy in our hearts these next three verses, trusting we will forward go, amen? Trusting we will forward go, happy in the love of Jesus, treading changing paths below, happy in the love of Jesus. With smiles, be happy. Singing all the day, happy all the day, happy, happy, happy in the love of Jesus. We will sing salvation song, happy in the love of Jesus. All our pilgrim way along, happy in the love of Jesus. Happy happy singing all the way happy all the day happy 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 in the love of jesus soon we'll reach the homeland fair happy in the love of jesus then shall dwell forever there happy in the love of jesus Happy, happy, singing all the way, happy all the day, 
happy, happy, happy in the love of Jesus. Amen. And let's sing one more song, 417, 417. With the Lord, it can always be well with your soul. Amen. 417, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
have all the children dismissed for the children's church at this time. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to spend our time this morning going over uh, maybe what might be a somewhat familiar passage of Scripture. I hope the familiarity will not uh, stop us from getting the truths that are contained in this passage. Uh, Jesus often used the vehicle of uh, parables in order to put forth his truth. And we don't have time to go into all the reasoning there, but Jesus was able to do accomplish much with this thing called the parable. He was able to instruct those that wanted instruction, and he was able to confuse those who didn't want instruction. Jesus was able to deal with both groups thoroughly, all with one little story. And one of the most famous of the parables is the one that we're going to be dealing with today, the parable of the sower and the seed. And uh, let's just start Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. It says, The same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some of the seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears, let him hear. Now, if you came into church this morning, and the only thing I did was read these few verses and have prayer and say amen, and you all went home, most people would leave here scratching their heads saying, what in the world was that preacher talking about. And yet this is exactly what Jesus did in his teaching was he taught the parable. He gave the story. Now many people like to do things to parables. They like to say, oh, they're allegory. Now, do we have any grammarians here? Uh, how many people even know what allegory is? Uh, just a few. Uh, the this is not like Aesop's fables, all right? That's, that's allegory. That's taking something and having a hidden meaning uh, designed into the words. Jesus is just giving us a story here. Parables are unique to the Lord Jesus Christ. Man often likes to say things with hidden meanings underneath, but they don't accomplish what Jesus did in his story. And Jesus gives us a parable here. He gives us a real-life event, things that really did happen. This was a story that every one of them 
would have been familiar with, every one of them would have had been eyewitnesses to seeing the sower, the farmer, the planter going out into the field and planting his seeds. McCormick Seed Planting Company hadn't come along yet and uh, they didn't have all the machines that we do today. And uh, most of us that live in New York City, unless you grew up in the country and moved to New York City, you have no idea what a seed planter even is. Uh, but the idea here was that they would sow the seed. Often uh, the, the farmer would just gather the seed into a pouch and he would go out and prepare the field and then he would sow the seed, much like you do grass seed. He was sowing wheat or barley. Uh, different kinds, and he would sprinkle that seed into the open field, and the seed would take root. And as we look through the parable here, he says, some of it fell by the wayside. He got a little too close, and some of the seed got sprinkled up on the path that led to the garden spot. As soon as the birds saw the seed, they said, dinner time. And uh, you would always know when somebody was sowing their field because the birds would always be looking for what they could snatch from the field. And then there is always that end of the field. How many of you have ever actually uh, tilled up a piece of ground and put something in it? And we're not talking a little garden spot. I mean, we're talking something the size of this uh, auditorium here, a big field. You see, at the end of the field, you have to have a place to throw the rocks. How many knew that? Okay, those that have dug... You haven't dug anything that big, son. Put your hand down. Uh, as you dig the fields, as you clean that thing up, you're going to run across rocks. You've got to have a place to get rid of the rocks. You can't throw them in the path because then you'll trip over them and stub your toe and all of that. And so normally one end of the field is where you throw the rocks. Well, as he's down there, some of the seed gets in the rocks. The soil is warm because it's shallow. The rocks underneath the soil heat up in the sun. It is ideal growing conditions. That seed germinates, that seed grows because there's no soil. And as soon as the sun comes up, it dries up all that soil. There's no roots to go in and get the moisture that's down deep and the plant withers. Everybody had seen this happen. They had seen the birds. They had seen the corner of the garden with the withered plants. And then he talks about the place that uh, where it landed and the thorns and the thistles come up. Now, there's something about thorns and thistles. If you've ever lived out in the, in the country, you'll see that there's just some places where the briars go. We always just called it a thorn patch or a briar patch. And, and the thing about that ground is it's rotten ground. Thorns do not grow in good soil. There's just something about having all the nutrients that a, a normal plant would need that kills off the thistles. They just cannot take root there. But they love to grow in bad ground. Now, there's always a part of the garden that just isn't as good as the rest of it is. 
In fact, it may have been a briar patch at one time and you tilled it up and burned it off and did everything to try to make it grow and thorns still come up. And they choke the seed. And the plants do not grow. Number one, there's not very much nutrients there. That's why the thorns are there. And number two, because the thorns are competing for whatever is left in the ground, they block out the sunlight and they keep the plant from reaching its full purpose. But praise the Lord, as we read here, some people have asked over the years, now, pastor, does that mean three quarters of the seed is bad and only one quarter is good? Well, no, if the farmer, if the sower was doing his job, most of the seed would have fallen on the good ground, amen? I mean, he's not going to go out there and just waste the seed by throwing it purposefully in the wayside. Those were things that happened by accident. But the seed fell into the good ground and it brought forth. Now, you have to understand that this is special seed. How many of you have ever seen uh, corn on the cob? Do you know how many seeds it took to get that ear of corn? One. Normally, off a good stalk of corn, you will get three to four good ears during the growing season. Normally, you don't get any more than that. Sometimes you don't get as much as that, but that, that's a good... Now, if you take one seed of corn and then cut off the kernels of four good ears and put on one side, that is one fold. Because that's what the seed produced. Now, this seed's different because it produces a hundredfold. So instead of four ears of corn, you get 400 ears of corn from one seed. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, that is super corn. And um, the, uh, our genetic scientists have not come up anywhere near to what God can do. Amen? And it says some of it is 60-fold. So that would only be 240 ears of corn. And some of it 30-fold. And uh, so that would be 120 ears of corn. And uh, now you get the picture of what's going on here. Jesus is not talking about normal seed, is he? Because normal seed produces one fold. You put it in the ground and you reap the normal harvest. That's one fold. And so as we read the story here, we see all of a sudden that, yes, there are many things here that are absolutely normal and within the realm of human understanding and human observation. But all of a sudden we get to this thing called the harvest and there's something very unusual happening, amen? I, I mean, these seeds are not producing just what they normally produce. And so the disciples come to him in verse 10 and say, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And Jesus answers them. And then we come down to verse 18. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh that wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. 
This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon, or immediately, with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, or again, immediately, he is offended. Verse 22, He also that receiveth the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now Jesus gives us the understanding or the interpretation or the application to our lives of the story that he just related. He said, listen, the, 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 the seed that falleth by the wayside is the person that hears the word of God but doesn't understand it. There's no connection happening. Nothing happens. It says the devil comes and removes that seed from his heart, just like the birds eat up the seed. There's a battle going on. The battle is over the seed. And when we hear and do not understand the Word of God, when we just totally disregard it and say, I don't care, that doesn't make any sense to me, we give permission, we give credence to the devil to come in and remove that planting from our life. It said, he that receives the Word, uh, uh, the, the seed in the stony places, he hears the Word, and it's the most exciting thing that ever happened. It says he anon immediately with joy receives it. But there's no root. There's no substance there. And when persecution or tribulation, when the going gets tough, this fellow quits. Because there's no root, there's no substance it has all the appearances of really going someplace. The third takes a little longer. It says the deceitfulness of riches and the care of this world chokes the seed that it becomes unfruitful. The last one is he that receives the, the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And understandeth it. He knows what those words mean. Which also beareth fruit. Which means there's that nasty little word obedience involved in there. Don't you just hate that word? No, you ought to love it. Amen. It is the key to this book called the Bible. It's what makes this book called the Bible different than every other book. Now, I want us to take a few minutes and look at the seed. The seed, without a doubt, by reading that, is the Word of God. This is the seed. Now, there's a reason why Jesus uses the picture 
of seed. Because when you plant, how many of you have ever planted anything? Remember in, in elementary school, they gave you the little styrofoam cup and you put the marigold seed in. How many people did that? I did that. And, and took home that beautiful little posy to mommy. And uh, I mean, planted it and it grew. How many of you remember looking at that cup every day in the classroom and nothing was happening? Teacher, can I dig it up to make sure it's... No, don't do that. You'll ruin it. The idea of seed is it takes a little bit of time. The idea of seed is there must be an intimate connection with the seed and the soil. It's not circumstance. It's not happen chance. It's not just by accident. If you've ever tried to really plant seeds... You've got to understand a few things. You've got to understand the time of planting. You've got to understand the kind of soil. You've got to understand the depth of the soil. You've got to, you've got to do a lot of things. We used to grow squash. Now, when you grow zucchini or squash, you hill the earth up into a mound and you plant the seeds all over the mound. And it grows much faster and much better that way than it does if you just dig a row and plant them in a row. Now, I don't know who's smart enough to figure that out, but I just read the directions, and my dad made sure I understood those directions and, and carried them out, and we had more zucchini than we knew what to do with uh, if you plant them right. But that's the idea of the seed. Good seed will always grow in good soil. But if you don't do things right, you can waste good seed. The picture of the seed is the Word of God. You'll notice in our story, there is never any aspersion cast upon the seed. The seed is not the problem in our story today, amen? Nor is it the problem in our life. The problem is never, ever the Word of God. I've had people over the years come to me and say, Pastor, I don't understand the Bible. There's got to be something wrong with the Bible. Can't I get an easier Bible? Can't I, I do something to make the Bible more, uh, more simple so I can understand it? No, you can't do that. Would you want somebody to take the roast beef you're having for dinner and make it more simple so you could eat it? You'd say, what would they do? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll put it in a blender and mash it up and strain it and boil it in water and then pour off the water and give you the little bit that's left. How many like to eat that? Well, then why do we want to do that with the Bible, Amen. Why do we want to chop it all up into little pieces and change it and turn it into baby food? Why can't we grow up and enjoy what God's given us? Amen? The problem is not the seed. So then we go to the sower. And you know, this parable talks the least about the sower than it does about anything, doesn't it? Let me tell you why. Because you don't need a doctor's degree to be a sower, amen? 
You don't have to study agriculture and graduate college to know how to put seed in the ground. In fact, you don't even have to know how to read if somebody will show you how to put seed in the ground. It's not a complicated thing. The sower can be anyone. But there are a few requirements. Number one, if you're going to sow the seed of the Word of God, you first have to have the harvest of this seed in your life. You ever wonder where they get seed? How many of you knew carrots came from seed? You say, well, wait a minute, they grow in the ground. Yeah, they do. But if you'll let those carrots stay in the ground and don't pull them up, they'll grow a great big bushy top and the carrot's no longer very good to eat because it starts taking the nutrients and the goodness of the carrot to grow that great big bushy top and it'll get yellow little tiny, they're not really flowers, but they look like it. And that's where the seeds are. And you have to let a certain amount of your carrots go to seed, as they say. That's what they mean when something's gone to seed. It's no longer fit for human consumption. You can't eat it because you're using it for seed. It grows up, it produces the seed, and then at the end of the harvest, just before the frost comes, you go and you gather the seed and you keep it for next year's growing season. Then you can grow your own carrots without having to go down and buy in the store. And you know, the most wonderful thing about sowing God's seed is you need to let it go through the full cycle in your life so that you can reap the seed and you can have something to plant in the growing season. See, everybody here knew all these things. I have to explain it to us because we live in New York City and we don't know anything more about growing carrots except maybe digging them out of the ground, but the best place to get carrots is a grocery store, right? Um, I don't know that I'd want to eat carrots that grew in some of the soils around here. How about you? Um, the ideal here is that if you're going to sow, you'd better get some seed. The best way to get the seed is to have it planted in your heart and to allow that seed to go the whole way through the cycle to where it produces more seed. I've often given this example. Uh, you know, one of the jobs of a preacher, one of the things that I want to be able to do is help people in their lives. And sometimes we get problems that, that we can't see our way through. And listen, that's one of the things that I'm here for. People say, Pastor, you're so busy, I don't want to bother you. No, I want to be bothered. Amen? That's one of the things that the pastor is supposed to do. And, and I'll sit people down and, and, and I have to be honest with you. And oftentimes I'll say, you know, how many years did it take you to get to this point and to this depth of problem that you're facing? And oftentimes the answer, well, we, we thought it, we didn't think it was that big of a problem. I, I guess, you know, it, it may be five years and then they start thinking about it a little more. Well, maybe seven or eight years, sometimes 10 or 15 years. That problem has been growing in the lives of individuals. You say, now, now we need to go back 
and undo that process. Just as you were willing to let this problem grow and develop in your life, would you be willing to let God's Word grow and develop in your life? Amen? And the other point to this thing is, if we were sitting together in an office and let's say, oh, just pull one out of the air, your problem is a temper you can't control. You say, no, Pastor, I don't know what to do about my temper. I try and I try and it, it just gets ahead of me. And, and I'm sitting there going through half a pack of Marlboros while you're telling me all of your story problems. Now, you ought to be, in our day and time we don't think this way anymore, but you ought to be in your mind saying, now listen, Pastor, if you can't get rid of that pack of cigarettes, how in the world are you going to help me with my anger problem? I mean, that's the way we ought to be thinking, amen? How many times have you met some poor, miserable slob, an excuse of a human being, trying to tell you about God in the Bible? Uh-oh. You see, the sower needs to reap the harvest of the seed in their life and make it real so that they can go out and when they plant the seed, what they're giving you is what has already happened in their life. And all God's people said, that's the picture that God wants to use and He is using in His Word to help us understand what He wants us to do. The other thing that the sower has to have, the sower has to have the seed... But the sower has to be willing to take the time to go out and plant the seed. Gardens don't come up by themselves. Now do they? Uh, on our drive uh, that we just got back from Washington State, I mean, we went through Iowa and we went through Nebraska and we went through some of those states. I mean, as far as the eye could see. Field after field after field after field. wonder who took the time to plant all that stuff. Somebody had to, amen. If you're going to be a sower, it's going to require time and investment on your part to sow the seed. And by the way, I don't see that being an option in this parable. It is the normal thing that someone who has the seed ought to do. Amen? It's just something that needs to be done. And so as we look through here, we have looked at the seed, the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Amen? Number two, anybody who wants to be can be a sower. As long as you get the seed... And you take the time to plant it. Amen? Now comes the problem. The soil. Now we have four different kinds of soil. And I have myself over the years engaged on uh, many hours of contemplation trying to figure out which one of these soils were saved and which ones were not. 
And as I was preparing this message, it finally dawned on my slow little mind that that's not what God was trying to teach us in this parable. What he's trying to teach us in this parable is, number one, you don't want to be the wayside. I don't want to be the wayside. I do not want God's word to not make a connection when I hear it. Amen? Would we not say that of ourselves? When God's word comes your way, I want it to make a connection with me. I don't want it to just go on by the wayside and give the devil permission to take God's word out of my life. I want it to find a resting place. By the way, I don't want to be receiving it in the stony ground either. How about you? I don't want something to be such a wonderful truth and sparking me to all kinds of activity that only lasts for a very short period of time. I've seen churches that do this. If you're old enough to remember back in the 70s, the big thing in Bible-believing churches was bus ministries. You know what? Buses were cheap in the 70s. Gas was cheap, all except for about six months with the Arab oil embargo. Uh, other than that, gas was cheap in the 70s. They didn't have all the rules and regulations that they do today. Anybody could drive a bus, and most people were responsible enough to drive one and pick up kids and bring them to church. And it was a great way to do things, especially if you lived in a, a um, little more rural place than where we do in New York City. Uh, you could drive buses. In fact, my home church in Cleveland, uh, I was the bus mechanic there for a year. We had 16 buses that I took care of. And, and what a pleasure that was, making sure those buses were able to go out and pick up little children and adults and anybody who wanted to ride that did not have transportation to come to church. But then came all the regulations and all the rules, and it got real expensive. And so many of those churches said, ah, this isn't for us anymore. We'll, we'll just let everybody drive or walk, and that's it. Now, that's easy if you're in New York City, amen? Drive, walk, take public transportation. You can get here if you want to, and it's not above anybody's ability to do so. But if church is 10 miles away out in the country... That's a pretty difficult situation to deal with now, isn't it? There were many churches that said, ah, the best thing we can do is start a Christian school. And Christian schools were started all over the place. Then came all the regulations and all the rules and the lawsuits and all of those things, and a whole lot of churches said, ah, this isn't the way to go. We'll just get out of it. That's stony ground. You know, there's a lot of churches that say, uh, it's too hard to go out and tell people about Jesus. We'll just sit in the church and we'll put on a Broadway show and we'll entice the world to come into our church. You know what? A lot of churches are quitting that now that they realize it don't work. Somebody asked me, why don't you do that? You'd fill your building up. I said, do you think we're going to out-Broadway Broadway when Broadway is just across the river in Manhattan? Don't think so. 
I mean, most people in here are a little smarter than that. Amen? How would you like to be tricked into coming to church? That borders on demonic, doesn't it? Jesus uses a picture of the seed and the soil because there's no trickery involved. I don't care what kind of magician you are. You have to plant the seed in the soil. You have to watch it grow, and you have to wait until the seed does the job. Amen? I don't want to be caught up in the cares of this world trying to claw after the deceitfulness of riches and not allow God's word to bear fruit in my life. This is the application of this parable. Is what kind of soil are you? Where does my life come in line with these different types of soil when I am approached with the Word of God. You may be sitting here this morning and you say, well, I came to church just trying to find something and I don't think I'm finding it here. Well, just wait a minute. What's happening is we're describing the soil by the wayside. If God's Word does not make a connection with you, if it's just kind of confusing or just flies over your head or doesn't phase you, doesn't do anything, what I want to challenge you today is realize that the soil of your life is unprepared. It has been trodden under the foot of men and under the things of this world, and it has gotten so hard that the seed cannot penetrate the soil. If the seed is not put into the soil, the seed will never grow. Now, here's what the Bible says. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For thus saith the Lord unto the men of Judah and to Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Now, wonder why Jeremiah said that nearly a thousand years before Jesus gave us this story. I think it's because the Holy Spirit knew there was a connection. Amen. Now, fallow ground is simply this. It's soil that has not been prepared purposefully. It is soil that will grow that has not been prepared, not been plowed, and the soil gets hard, the weeds grow up, the hay grows up, and in order for that fallow ground to be put into use again, it's got to be plowed. And the longer the ground has laid fallow, the deeper the plow has to dig to get rid of the roots and, the, and all of the things of this world so that that soil can now receive the seed. In fact, we had an opportunity to stop at a real prairie sod house on our drive out west. The sod, the, the soil out there in the prairie used to be so hard and so thick and the roots were so matted in that soil that they would literally plow it up with a plow and cut it into blocks and make bricks out of it. 
the, the little house we saw was built in 1909 and many of the original sod bricks were still in place from 1909. You see, that soil had laid fallow for centuries. It had to be plowed up in all of those roots. The farmer, the sod buster, as they might call him in those days, was accomplishing two things. Number one, he was getting bricks for his house. And number two, he was breaking up the fallow ground so that the seed could make contact with the soil and he could grow a crop that would produce fruit. The Bible tells us that we need to break up our fallow ground. Many times, several times in the scripture, if you've been doing your Bible reading, you just went through the book of Hosea in, in August, and there's a passage in there where he tells the children of Israel to break up their fallow ground. If that is you today, you need to get the plow out. You need to dig those furrows deep. You need to rake out the roots and the stones and ask God to prepare your heart to receive the word. God wants his soil, his seed to grow in the soil of your life. But if you do not allow it to be prepared, if you do not put forth the effort to break up that fallow ground, it's just going to land on top. And the devil's going to continue taking it out. This is the parable of the sower. There may be some here today that say, Preacher, that's me. That's, that's where I am. The, I, I need to break up the fallow ground. The simplest way to do that, in a few moments, we're going to have an altar call. You just come up here, get on your knees before God, and say, God, start plowing. Now, let me warn you something. If you ask God to plow, He's just, he just going to do it. And it's not going to feel good. But it will be when you receive the harvest. Amen. You've got to look down the road a little bit. That's the idea of the seed. It takes time. The second part is the stony places. There have been many people over the years, the few short years our church has been here, that have come in and they are the most excited person in the world. This is what I've been looking for, this kind of church. I always get nervous when I hear that. Because I've read the parable and, and the people that get the most excited and, and just jump in and everything is to get... They get out just as quick as they got in most of the time. You say, well, I've tried serving the Lord and it just didn't work. Well, wake up a minute. Please stop and listen to this simple preacher tell you the story about the soil. You got rocks, not in your head, amen, in your soil. You got rocks in your soil. Now, there's only one way to get the rocks out of the soil. You got to get a rake, and you got to pull them out, and you have to pick them up, and you have to throw them away. That's the only way you get rid of the rocks. Remember the first time my dad told me to get rid of the rocks. Dad, you're crazy. How in the world am I going to get rid of all those rocks? He said, it's real simple, son. Here's a bucket. Here's a rake. 
you fill the bucket up, you take it out, and you dump it in the weeds, and then you come back and you rake some more until you fill the bucket up. Say, how many buckets did you get? I don't want to talk about that right now. Amen? There was a lot more buckets of rocks than I wanted to haul to the weed pile, I'll tell you that. But when the harvest time came, I was so glad there weren't rocks in the soil because there was a harvest of good fruit and good vegetables to enjoy. It takes some work to get the rocks out. But God will take them out of your life. How about the thorns and the briars? The Bible's very clear on this one. Two things are in your life. If you're trying the best you can and nothing's happening, if you're doing everything right and it just seems that the, the Word of God is taking root and starting to grow and then nothing happens. The Bible says you've got two problems. You've got the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Those two things will choke the Word of God that it will not produce fruit in your life. And by the way, if the Word of God is not producing fruit in your life, there is a very serious problem in your life. We need to wake up and realize that. We do not want to stand before a holy God and try to explain why the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches were more important to us than the Word of God. Amen? Do we not want that in our life? Do we not want to make sure that when we stand before God, we can tell Him that His Word made contact and it grew and it produced what it wants what God wanted it to produce. Now, God's Word produces many things. The first thing it produces is salvation. Amen? If you don't have salvation, you have nothing. But I am so glad that salvation is not the end. It's only the beginning. If you were here for Sunday school, the lesson was on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given to us by God to show us one thing, how sinful we are. That's the job of the Ten Commandments. It's to show you and I our unholiness. Now, if God's Word grows and produces something in our life, do you think it's going to produce holiness or unholiness? Holiness, amen. Do you think God's Word, one of the fruits that God's Word wants to be brought forth in your life is to understand this book a little better than you did before? You see, those are the things that ought to be happening. If we're not leaving the world... Now, I've had people say, Oh, Pastor, you're going to become so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Well, I'd rather be so heavenly-minded I'm no earthly good than so earthly-minded I'm no heavenly good. Amen? Amen? 
But the whole truth of the matter is, the more truly heavenly-minded I am, the more good I can do on earth. Because the more people I will have seed to sow to take them off the road to hell and help them get on the road to heaven. Amen? You can't get too much of this Bible. You cannot produce too many fruits for God. Amen? It's not possible. You are the one that's going to receive the blessings. God is not enriched by what His Word does in our lives. He already owns everything. He wants us to be enriched by the fact that our lives is able to grasp the word, let it make contact, obey it, and live it to bring forth fruit to the honor and the glory and the praise of God. That is the parable of the sower. Now, just a moment and we'll be done. I've got to ask you the question, what are you going to do with the parable that we've just related out of the Word of God? Are you going to allow this parable to instruct you? Are you going to, even right now, and especially if you go home and, and this afternoon and this week, Ask God to allow you to open your eyes and see what kind of soil is in your life and then do something about it. Or are you going to say, Jesus told a crazy story and by the time that preacher was done with it, it made less sense to me than I can understand. Let me tell you, you better be careful because it's God's Word. You better be wanting that to make a connection in your life. Amen? And if it isn't, you need to be up here asking God to break up that fallow ground and teach you how to do it. Maybe you just need to get the rocks out. Amen? Maybe the deceitfulness of riches. Maybe you're trying. I'm going to serve God, but I got to do this. Wait a minute. There will always be a but there. Get rid of it. Just lay it in an old-fashioned altar and leave it there. Don't allow the cares of this world to keep the Word of God from producing fruit in your life. In fact, you'll find out if you allow this Word of God to produce fruit in your life, it is the only way you'll ever get to satisfaction and contentment in this life. Something the richest man in the world doesn't have. We've got to have that good soil. We've got to give the time. And we've got to get the seed so we can go out and plant it. A lot of things there. Whole life of living in this one message this morning. Jesus intended it that way. The question is, 
I got to go through this parable before I brought it to you today, and I've already done my searching and asking God to do what He needs to do in my life. I now bring it to you, and I ask you to take the next few moments and dedicate to allowing God to search your life and asking Him what He wants you to do. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. And the only question I want to ask this morning is how many would say, Preacher, God is dealing with my heart. Will you pray for me? Would you just slip up a hand? God is dealing with my heart. Will you pray for me? Anyone else? Just slip up that hand for a moment, right back down. Okay, all over the auditorium this morning. I'm glad you don't have to tell me how God is dealing with your heart. Would we have anyone here that would say, God's not dealing with my heart, but I, I want him to. Would you pray for me, preacher? I want God to deal with my heart, but I'm afraid I'm so hard I don't even know what's going on. God wants to work, but you've got to let him. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the story that Jesus used. We thank you for the great truths that it teaches, and we're thankful that 2,000 years later we can look into the words of this book called the Bible, and not only do we find this great parable, we find ourselves. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit would have freedom to do what needs to be done so that we may be that good soil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us in the hymn of invitation. 558. And if you need to come and to pray, just going to ask you to get out of your seat and come down here and pray at an old-fashioned altar and talk to God about what He wants to do in your heart and life. As we sing, will you come? let the piano continue to play let's bow our heads where we are want to give time to these that have come to pray and if you need to come there's still time for you we don't ever want to be rushed when it comes to the time of invitation 
say, how could a simple prayer up front in a church make any difference? Well, part of it is just the humility that is involved. Part of it's just being obedient where you can be. And the biggest part is God honors us when we're willing to admit that only He can help us. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. We have to close the time of public invitation. The time of private invitation is never closed at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And uh, you come and see me. We'll make it a time during the week where we can sit down. We, we want you. The whole goal of our church is to just to be a help to you so that you can understand and obey the words of this book called the Bible. Let's uh, just want to remind you a few of the things that are coming up. Of course, tomorrow is the street fair on 30th Avenue. We're supposed to be between 34th and 35th Streets. And uh, if you can stop by and want to be a help, we'll be passing out tracks. We'll be sowing the seed tomorrow. Amen. And... Um, so pray about that. And then our regular services uh, this week, uh, our fall revival with the John Marshall families coming up. That's September 28th. That starts on Thursday night. They'll be with us Thursday night, Friday night. Uh, wait for plans. We'll tell you what we're doing Saturday. And then uh, all day Sunday they're going to be with us. And then our missions conference in November. And then just a special time of fellowship and great preaching when uh, Brother Clayton is with us uh, in December. So we're looking forward to those things. If we could have our men come, we'll receive this morning's offering. Let us give as unto the Lord.
Brother George, would you ask God to bless the offering? Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed. Let's take the name of Jesus with us as we leave this morning. 705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet.